When the credits start rolling, but the movie keeps haunting you. Before, after. Then it's time to tune in to Dismembering Horror. We'll talk about what worked and also what didn't. We'll dissect every aspect. Maybe someone we shouldn't. He turned out to be a completely unreliable asshole. Take it away, boys. Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. And hello, everyone listening. Thanks for being here, as she just said for us here to Dismembering Horror. And I will say specifically to episode 191 of Dismembering Horror, where where we will be dismembering Lake Mungo from 2008. (sighs) Directed by and written by one and the same Joel Anderson. An Australian film by an Australian filmmaker, I presume. Let's, we can only presume, you know, like, what well, we can't actually know. Tim, before that, I like to check up with when we've rewatched films we have previously dismembered. Mm. Since I was just so, been so excited about it since we watched it, as well as its prequel, X, I rewatched X. Nice. And just some things of note for the reflection. Remember when we first talked about it, I said... Just felt a little weird having the old lady character be, or Pearl, <laughs> be Mia Goth in old lady makeup. Mm-hmm. That did not distract me this time. In fact, it worked because it had the linkage to right, Pearl. Right, right, yeah. And because I just noticed some, uh, as she's so wont to do, some great performances that I hadn't caught the first time. Specifically when she's um, the, the the red-tinged, Kill, like the first major kill that oh, happened yeah, yeah. that the outside at the car killing the dude who's trying to get away she there's this like longish take on her face when she's stabbing him mm-hmm. and it's the kind of look she's making is something I haven't quite seen before in a it's very Mia Goth yeah <laughs> sure that's a good way to put it <laughs> it's very something it's great that's um, cool I look forward to watching all three in a row or however Whatever order, I don't know which. Right, it'll be fun to mix the orders over the years. Anyway, still just very excited for that film. Let's see, unless you had anything else, if we could say the same for this this episode's film. You know, just living life over here. We just had Halloween. Happy belated Halloween, everyone. What a time. Yeah. Triple costume year for me. (laughs) Oh, yeah, what were they? Well, apropos to your previous statement, I was the scarecrow from Pearl, uh, and Brit was Pearl. And then House of the Dragon, I was King Viserys. The last one, we both went as Ash from Evil Dead. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Dueling Ashes. Cool. Yep. All right. Well, hey, if we're jumping into Lake Mungo here, <laughs> I didn't even mean that as a. <laughs> That's funny, though. Uh, we like to watch a trailer as we do. So here we go. So I said from 2008, written and directed by Joel Anderson, Lake Mungo. I feel like something bad is going to happen to me. It hasn't reached me yet, but it's on its way. Family and friends the normally of tranquil Palmer setting of Ararat to pay their final respects to a young Palmer woman Wolf. taken too soon. Ten days after Ellie's funeral, stuff started happening around the house. Sounds seemed to come from Ellie's old room. They didn't really relent. 
So I thought, well, I'll just set up a camera to, you know, see anything. I looked back and there was footage of a figure moving across the hallway. The image was quite unsettling because it certainly looked like us. Don't you close your eyes? I usually uh, videotape my sessions. Something was happening inside that house and I wanted to find out what it was. We checked the tapes. There was a ghost in our house. I don't know about you, Tim, but I had seen and heard of this film over the years on different top lists, people speaking very highly of it. In 2020, Mike Sprague of Dread Central included the film on his list of 10 awesome underrated horror movies to stream during the COVID-19 pandemic. (laughs) Cool. Megan Navarro of Bloody Disgusting also recommended the film, writing that the scares come subtle, often lurking in the background for only the most observant to notice. But Tim, I would love to know what you thought of this film per our rating system. Would you tell yourself to avoid, stream, rent, or buy Lake Mungo? Well, I mean, I guess I would agree with this notion that it was a top movie to stream during the pandemic or any time because I'm a stream. Oh. <laughs> Not what they meant, but <laughs> it applies. In this case, it's what I meant. It just, uh, you know, I think it's okay. Um, I enjoyed it, but I, I think that it's kind of, there are problems with its construction that outweigh the good for me. And Great. so, you know, that kind of leaves me at a stream. I like it. And I think there are some really cool ideas. And I mean, I guess I agree with that previous statement that you have to be extremely observant to <laughs> catch some of the, the scares or whatever. And maybe maybe some of that stuff is, is better elucidated if you watch it a second time because you kind of know what's going on and what to look for. But I'm not sure I'm going to watch it a second time. So it's a, it's a stream for me. Unless I forget I watched it 50 years from now, I don't think I'm <laughs> planning on watching it again either. It's a stream. And then within our, our ratings, not a heck yeah, stream it. But uh, yeah, I had some things that I liked going for yeah. it. So worth it. Not, not a total avoid. But no, no, I was not. I, I, re- I didn't like it, though. I was very bored. Yeah. I found, yes, I agree. I found it to be a bit of a slog. Okay, I was wondering if that was just me being no. someone who um, I'm never crazy about the whole, like, when, when you, I, you know, I love the Naomi Watts ring and everything, but just as an easy example, like the whole trying to figure out the mystery of the thing and following the clue from this to that to this to that, I just don't really care. Right. And this movie was very much predicated on that. So well, kind of and out. I mean, I think in particular, this movie is maybe predicated on it, but doesn't fulfill that. <laughs> Great. So, That's why I was curious to hear from know, someone who does like Yeah, I love stuff. a mystery. I love a like whodunit and figure it out. And I don't think this one gets there. Okay. Enough. Great. So, so not, not just me. Okay. All right. Well, let's, can you give <laughs> us a, a quick... 
summary of what even happened in this film. We can all get on the same page, mm. even though if you're here listening, we hope you watched it. Okay, well, yeah, sure. It's presented very much in documentary style as if this was all real. Um, and is the tale of a family whose teenage daughter drowned in a, I don't know, a reservoir. Um, not a lake. Not to confuse things with the Lake Mungo that the movie is titled after. She doesn't, she doesn't drown in Lake Mungo. Lake Mungo is a dry lake bed. Okay. Think about it. A little confusing. Yeah. But anyway, so she drowns. And um, that's really sad for everybody. And her parents are grieving and her brother is grieving. And um, God, I don't know where to go. Her brother gets kind of obsessed with like film and, and photography and stuff like that. And begins... Oh, God. Capturing photos and video and then discovering that he believes that his sister's ghost is showing up in those images and those films. No. Well, yes. He... Well, he doesn't believe it. He's telling people that that's what's happening. He's showing people that. Let's put it that way. Yeah. His parents start believing it. Um, they get a psychic. There's a lot of like, what's going on? His mom is really traumatized by it and begins to truly believe that she might still either be alive or her spirit is around or something like that. Turns out the brother's just a, being a, a weirdo, I guess, and manufacturing her images into the film and photos which is kind of a shit thing to do mm -hmm. um but then twist second twist yeah that's right she actually is showing up in some of these images elsewhere un unnoticed and they you know they they do some tracking down they realize like okay the last time we saw she uh uh, not was seen, but like there's an event where her and her friends went to this area called Lake Mungo, which is like a deserty, dry lake bed thing. Um, and she had lost her phone and some other things there. And um, they go and they dig it up and they find footage on the phone of her meeting herself, but the dead specter of herself. And that freaks her out. And then she ends up, it's like a prophecy or something. And she ends up actually drowning. Um, there's some other sub stories that like she was sleeping with the neighbor couple. She's 15. So that's not really cool or appropriate on their part. Um, and are there any other? Oh, and that. Prior to her death, she had gone and talked to the same psychic, but that psychic who was helping the family didn't tell the family that she had come to him five, six months prior to her death saying that she was afraid that she something was going to happen to her. Um, 
Not sure that that really matters, but that's a thing that happens in the movie. Okay, great. Is that about it? That's kind of it, right? And then the movie ends. And then the movie and she, ends. And, and she's surprise everyone. And she's in the the credits in in other places in the pictures and such. So then the movie doesn't end. I remember yeah, that. It I never ends. I was like, it's finally over. And then the pictures came up, and I was like, Ugh, it's still going. <laughs> I yeah. hate. It. I was dreading doing this episode, Tim, because it's one where when I just didn't like it, I just always feel like an asshole. I know. It's. I hate it. It's okay, Ryan. You're allowed. You're allowed to hate things. Okay. It's not a reflection on the filmmakers. You're not saying that they're bad people. You're not even saying that they're bad at their job. You just didn't like the movie. But we're filmmakers too is why it's weird. Yeah. I mean, somebody's going to say that the things we've made are shit. Yeah. More power to them. What did Carly say from our episode when I asked her this question? She said, uh, it's a gift of attention. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that was in our um, Climax episode. We had yep. a guest, Carly, on. Mm, Climax. I recommended that to somebody recently. Yeah, it was cool. It's not Lake Mungo. Uh, sure but ain't. stick with us here, even though we didn't like it. Yeah. You probably liked it, because Tim and I have recently been the exceptions to the rule here. Tim and I both uh, really, really enjoyed Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. And I know. And it's not crazy about Lake Mungo. So here we go. First big section, what did work? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? As much as it sounded like I don't like this film, which is true, and I was bored, this may be I would <laughs> I was floored, Tim, by how well shot the B-roll stuff was. Agreed. Like this. The the specific, yeah, the exact look it was going for, the mood, the feeling realistic, but at the same time, just having that air of stylization that's subtle but still feels totally realistic. Mm-hmm. I it's like just my speed and style. I thought it was yeah. incredible and like worked so well. For there's that one shot where uh, where she's telling the story of approaching her room and the camera's doing just that dollying turning into the door so well done and then we sort of did a callback shot to there too which just sort of exemplified how well it's shot too where they're saying uh after the haunting's all over after she's passed on or whatever or for a second time gone on to wherever else uh that the house had a new sense of peace or calm or something like that and it could feel obvious, you know, just that it was during the day or it was nicer lighting, you know, quote, unquote, happier lighting. But it was that without in any obvious way. It just felt like, oh, this feels like a normal place now. Whatever was sinister mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it and eerie before, but also still in not an obvious way, it was there. So And just all like the shots of the town they were in, it's just incredible. It looked like yeah. it was shot on maybe 16 millimeter. Yeah. A cool film look to it. So, God, for a movie I was really not crazy about, honestly, it's, I'd put it in, like, the top five. I know it's saying a lot for, like, how many big movies we've watched well shot, but something about that B-roll I thought was, like, 10 out of 10, man. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I was kept kind of in uh, in the movie in a lot of ways by the B-roll. And, like, doing interview and docu-style 
filmmaking, like, I guess you could, you would think, okay, no problem. But there is truly a, like, a, it's an art form to get that right. And to visually, when you're just interviewing people, keep your attention. So yeah, they did a really good job with that. And, you know, and the editing of intercutting the images and stuff. I, for me, the the most interesting and compelling component of the whole film is the premise of the film that she's showing up in these images. So like every time, you know, an image comes up, I was, you know, delighted to like scan it and like be like, okay, where is she? And, and then see her and be like, oh, there she is. I mean, granted, it kind of, it doesn't, necessarily uh evolve in any sort of storytelling way like it's just the same kind of thing like here's a new image where is she it's where's it's like a where's waldo you find her and then that that's it uh, but nonetheless i enjoyed all of that like being able to play that game throughout the movie so yeah, and not just getting to play that game, but the images themselves were yeah. super eerie. It, it, like, Definitely. I didn't get tired of it every single time. It was, it was a video or a picture, and it froze on it or zoomed in on it. It right. had that eerie <laughs> supernatural feel that is just so special when that does happen in, in a ghost movie. Yep. Um, more to say on that and what did not work, but yes, in the moment, in the first mm -hmm. half, all very cool. The experience of seeing those creepy ghost pictures. What else you got? Well, so it's hard because there are like, there are elements that kind of both work and don't work for me. But like, so for example, the idea of the, of the son brother hoaxing the images and then seeing how he did it, like setting up a TV with like video of her off camera that's being reflected in a mirror or a window or whatever. I love that idea. And I think it looked cool, but there are execution, narrative story execution elements that I think don't work within that. But in and of itself, as just an idea and the execution of the the visual, I was really into it. I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. That that is how you would do that. Like, I love a hoax. Mm -hmm. You know, like they're they're fun. So in that sense, yeah, cool. Uh, I I also think the the unsettling nature of hypnosis interviewing. Uh, and having the mom and her intercut mm. a few times to see sort of how each of their hypnosis state sort of stories are intertwined or, or almost as if they are in conversation, I think was really cool and eerie. So I guess I'll just list a few things like that, that, I like the, the eeriness and the sort of foundational uh, element that that is either unsettling or a little just like it creates a mood. Um, the subplot of the neighbors I thought was really interesting. Not in the overall story of it and how it plays out, but just as an idea that like, 
your neighbor, these people that you didn't necessarily choose, right? Like we don't choose our neighbors, but oftentimes we try to find commonality and we try to like, and sometimes you get lucky and you go, oh, they're really nice people and you have them over for dinner or picnics or whatever. And there's this sort of casual social um, comfort that you have with these people and to find out that they're doing a thing to your daughter that is a illegal, but be like immoral in a lot of ways and like abusive. And in spite of people being like, well, maybe it was consensual. It doesn't fucking matter. Like a teenager is a teenager. They don't have the faculties to evaluate whether or not this is a appropriate thing to be doing. And so to have that weird sort of like, it just, it's like infecting the, the, the like sanctity of this idea of the like, nuclear family and the like suburban safe realm that we live in or we think we live in um and so like the cracks the like the dirty gross evil i guess or or just like immoral cracks that we see in the facade of suburbia i think is really cool and, and that that tone is throughout the movie um, even with the interviews with like her friends and stuff and having these other teenagers being perplexed by all of it, it it's it's shattering this illusion of the safety of suburbia. And I think that are all those things are really interesting concepts and they are shown in ways and depicted in ways that add to this underlying like eeriness and, and feeling of dread and all those things. So those things for me are, are working. Um, well, building on that, and I'd be curious how you think this connects to all that. I liked that it was suggested her ghost could only kind of move on once her family knew about this secret double life or whatever. Sure, yeah. I thought that was really interesting, the idea that you have to let your family know like your true self in the deep, dark, secret way in order to find peace, or at least this character did. But uh, did that kind of connect or build off of what you're just saying anyway? Yeah, I, I think that that actually falls a little bit more into what didn't work for me in that I just don't think it, comes together it doesn't it doesn't land in a cathartic i was way, going off of your i liked the idea in itself i like yes okay <laughs> so do i like the idea of that um yeah i i, I mean i i've said this before like these sort of haunting or haunted house stories often have this element of like you know the wrong that was perpetrated needs to be revealed in order for the spirit to move on kind of thing. Um, sure. But like, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like it was in service to the overall story in this one. It just sort of felt like, okay, well we have a section for that. I was just, I'm, I'm just still <laughs> so coming no. off of the answer is no, Ryan. So I just still like as the idea in itself, I thought it was interesting and something I hadn't seen before specifically that that was their their thing that they needed to pass on. That's but, it. Whether, but, but doesn't the movie sort of say that 
she does she's not she's still trapped in the house she's not moving on i feel like that last shot of like the family after they've moved out and they take one last picture of the brother and the and the parents that her image is in the window again well does very it, true to this movie right that but does that imply it's not that yeah exactly does that imply that she's still trapped there and like can't get out i guess so so but as i said the idea was there <laughs> <laughs> the idea is there yes okay last thing i oh no another idea that was there mm-hmm. i liked was uh like you mentioned it in your summary that there is some sort of haunted cosmic loop at play yes okay her, so i think that's self. the thing that most people are responding to that that concept is is a pretty unique and not not a trope that has been like overdone or that we've seen really at, almost at all i mean i think since this movie we've seen it a couple times but prior to this like i can't think of any overt versions of that um, so yeah, I think that is cool. I mean, there's you've always been the caretaker here, Jack. Very true. Yes, I can think of a couple others, but no yeah. more spoilers. Um, but you know, the, it's again, it's hard for me to to rally behind it when it doesn't feel like it it, it like comes around fully okay i mean me too but i'm just trying to say as an idea yes, i liked that i like and the idea that your dead self is coming around to tell you that, it, that you're gonna die and i can say further that's scary <laughs> in, yeah in the context of a found footage movie there's something kind of extra fun to push it as far as something that feels a little bit more like super supernatural <laughs> somehow sure or yeah s- something that would feel a little bit more at home in a, a a non found footage film or a little more you know right yeah it's right. a bigger leap to make somehow so, you know it's what if we get on board with the supernatural as ghost then it's just one more element yeah. of just weird time stuff going on so it's cool to see it within the context of a found footage movie right they right, went, right went there i appreciate yeah, when did the ring, the original ring, Ringu? Uh, yeah, ninety nine, I believe. Man, that's ninety eight or ninety nine. Well, I was just thinking about like the there's sort of a, a an element. I mean, it's a pretty important element that there that that technology has in a lot of horror has become the um, the the delivery system for a lot of the the haunt you know we've we've moved into using that as the 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 threshold or the realm yeah you know, divide like how sinister was all the film reel exactly that was cool. yeah and so we we've been you know story fear.com.com yeah we've been playing around with that idea i think kind of since ringu right like they kind of were the early adopters of like hey let's let's talk about the the weird threshold between the technology of images and that boundary between those two things being broken. Arrebato. Arrebato. The one we reviewed with Brendan, the Spanish one. Oh God. Yeah, that's right. That's all about that. That was one, from the late seventies. Like yeah. yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, and, but I guess maybe to my point, like very obscure and avant-garde, like it didn't become sort of, popularized or what what would you call that like mass consumption 
uh, until I think, you know, essentially iPhones mm-hmm. came about, right? Like suddenly we we see a shift in how media is consumed and then that reflects back through, you know, we find ways to to talk about this, the, the, the horrors of that, so to speak, or potential horrors. So I like all of that. And I think that, what was this? 08, this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that's cool. They're, they're jumping on and they're adding this element of the, the documentary thing. Um, so that's all cool. And I think it, it opens the door for this sort of interesting conversation of like, why why (laughs) like why do we find this fascination with the image you know the captured image and the opening of this movie is a lot of i think it's the opening of this movie unless i'm like completely mixing two things that i watched yesterday um but it's all like double exposure imagery right (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm pretty sure this is the only thing I watched yesterday. Okay. Yeah. So so it's all this double like old school, you know, like turn of the century early photography double exposure eerie imagery. Mhm. And at the time people would see stuff like that and it and, and it was used as an exploitative device, right? Like, you know, like scam artists would show up and be like, oh my God, look at this spirit in the background of this image. And it's like people who didn't know about photography would be like, A, holy shit, like a picture, like you've captured like reality on this thing. That's kind of crazy. Uh, Previously, you could only like do a, a depiction of a thing through like interpretation, right? Like paintings or drawings or whatever. So to have now the actual image captured and then the to add to the the the, the eeriness of double exposure and not let people kn- know what the technology is doing and have them you know freak out over and be like whoa there's a little boy in the background of this or whatever or like how could that person be in two places at once and using that a- as a a way to uh, sort of titillate people and make them get, you know, like freak out or think it's cool or scary or whatever. I think that's all really cool. And it shows not a naivete, but like it shows a disconnect between the consumer of these things, in this case, the technology of the image and the people who are in control of the image, the people who are, who are actually doing the thing. So the, the, the brother becomes that version of the person who's, you know, sort of exploiting the naivete of, of the non technician. All of that's to say is that I think that that concept of how we use technology and how we can manipulate technology for whatever gain is is like and it's just to me it's an interesting conversation to have about especially now like in our 2022 current world that we live in we can do deep fakes we can do voice changing we can do all sorts of shit with technology to fool people 
And so I, I like the scariness of that. And then so this movie's taking that one step further and saying, like, I'm not sure how to connect it necessarily or what they were attempting to connect. But they are saying, in spite of all of that, the spirit realm also does exist. So it's doubling down on it, I guess. Oh, it's Maybe it's sort of saying, it, it's sort of as soon as it tips a hat to the quote unquote skeptics, it goes right back the other direction as then a way to overall sort of suggest, hey, it's more complicated than any sort of first, oh, I believe it, or, oh, I don't believe it. Sure, yeah. Yeah, so uh, those things, those concepts and the the sort of usage of that is cool and interesting and I think is maybe why a lot of people kind of, I don't think people are necessarily deep diving into that line of thought, but the, but it's evocative at, at its minimum. And maybe it just like the effectiveness of, of it making us feel something is where the success of this movie lies. Um, but that's a little like that's to me. I'm like um, the speculation. I'm that's conjecture. I I I think the movie fails ultimately. Well, we have a section for that, Tim. But last <laughs> thing I wanted to say in this section was, I hope this isn't somehow like belittling or condescending. But I loved how Australian it was. I love like <laughs> Australian names and the accent sure. and their like words for things. Mm-hmm. Like a character we had named Kim Whittle and Marissa <laughs> yeah. Tui. And all, and then the name of the movie, Lake Mungo. Mungo is so Australian sounding. I love it. So, yeah. loved all the Australianness. And now, Tim, uh, you can continue that thought you had for our next section. I'm assuming you're ready for it. I'm so ready. What did not work? It's not ready yet. Seems to work okay. No, something important's missing. What did not work? <laughs> I don't want to get super specific, I guess. I, I just think that all of these things we've just talked about, they don't coalesce into something that makes you, you know, your stomach drop out. Even though I know other people are saying that it had that effect for them. Well, I'm like, what moment would do that? The whole thing just kind of... Show, I, I think people say showing like the moment where we see her phone footage of herself drowned that she ran into her drowned self out in this dry lake bed is supposed to be the thing that makes us all go, oh, it is interesting because even though we haven't dismembered it, we've talked about the whaling or maybe. Mm. Other films that we've watched, other ghost films I can think of, it's not the top of my head, we've watched, where the successful thing is the uncertainty in the moment, what it is you're looking at, if it is a ghost or a person mm-hmm. or an aberration, something like that. Yet this one, it it was an example where it, that, that it was doing that, but it just didn't work. Because by the time that happened, uh, with the the... The, like her her bloated ghost self seeing that or whatever I was just I was checked out from the midpoint twist quote unquote right of all the creepy ghost shots we had previously seen being hoaxed yep because from that point on I was just like oh you know okay well I, I'm just anything could be anything but not in the 
the good wailing way of, <laughs> right. whoa, anything could be anything. Yeah. So just, just trying to like distinguish what that difference is. It's something about how you're just carrying the audience and the story. So where, how that specifically plays out. Yeah. I'm not sure, but I was just so uncompelled by that. It just, it, it felt like if this was, cause this is all posing as a documentary, right? Right. So it felt like if this was an actual documentary, they would just say from the get go, okay, so, um, dude, brother was taking these pictures that he faked rather than just, tricking the audience the whole or not revealing that the first half of the movie like why would a documentary withhold that information right. for suspense i yeah i think that they handcuffed themselves into this documentary thing and a way that they could have gone to get out of it is to break the documentary fourth wall and have once that revelation happens of the, the oh the brother was hoaxing it literally change tact have it no longer be the documentary and break the wall and have the producers of the documentary or the director of the documentary get on camera and be like this is really fucked like what are we doing here like we we're we devoted a bunch of time to this thing and so you you shift the reality into a new reality mm. right and then you're filming it becomes a documentary about the making of this documentary well, yeah that would feel more consequential yeah right and then when eerie shit starts to happen to those people then there's stakes because we go wait a minute now it this is was real supposed again supposed to be yeah. a, a hoax we just broke that reality into the actual reality where it is a hoax and haunting stuff is continuing to happen. That that ups the ante of, of consequence, of eeriness, of like what is it, – it, it creates the actual question to – to be more compelling and concerning to everybody because then we're going, shit, we're in it. We're in another upside down – that makes no sense. But keeping it inside the documentary format and like not breaking that, like you said, it it makes us just kind of go, well, especially who cares. Yeah, because exactly what happens next is was just so not compelling, especially compared to when you think you were seeing ghosts, which is just like the neighbor was inside trying to get the evidence back. And you yeah. know, here's the picture proving it. And then we get, yeah, that whole reveal of she had this double life sleeping with the neighbors. I was just kind of like, well, and okay, that goes so, nowhere, right. right? Like there's nothing that doesn't matter. We don't have any conclusion with it. That, that couple moved away and disappeared. The end. Who gives a shit? Right, it then? felt like something that could have just been delivered as just quick exposition if you're actually trying to get at the root of whatever was interesting in the story, yeah. which I'm not even sure I have a grasp you, of. You know what would have been really fucked up is if they went to Lake Mungo to dig up the phone and everything and found the fucking bodies of those, that couple. Tie it together, yeah. You know, and you go, ooh, ooh, something's up. And then you go, well, wait a minute. That couple was alive after she drowned. How the fuck did they end up dead in the, in the hole that she buried her phone that has this foot. You know what I mean? You Something suddenly go, whoa, 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 like way more shit's going on suddenly and like all bets are off. That then gives us this feeling of like, 
oh man, we're in the hands of filmmakers that are really like, we are being puppeted by them in a way that we can't explain. And to me, that's where you need to go if you're gonna if you're gonna go into this type of realm where you're really saying, hey, the supernatural exists, you don't know what to expect. You I feel like now, and maybe this is just a product of the last 20 years of of horror filmmaking where we we can say this, but like I want to be pushed into that space where I'm going, oh my God. A, that's scary. It's unpredictable. It's unexpected. And I, as a connoisseur, I guess, of horror, did not see it coming. And like, that's where you want to live. This one just, to me, it, 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 it is like you're saying, it's, it's, it's falling apart from the moment we get told it's a hoax. Mm-hmm. And who cares after that unless something really grabs us and says, no, hang on a second. Yeah. And I think that having the discovery of the neighbor looking for the tape was a good setup for us to go, oh, shit, wait, something else is going on. But it just falls away into nothingness. So, like, whatever. Yeah, I wonder if it feels like this was part of uh, expanding it and I don't know I'm not expanding it but writing it as a feature that could be because you sort of know halfway through you're like something needs to happen mm-hmm. and they say oh well what if it's all hoax and I can see how that does work if it then allows you to then up the level to the paranormal stuff is that much more inexplicable or eerie somehow but no it just just drop me. I'd like everything. It just, I felt cheated in a not fun way too, since right. all those were so eerie before. Well, there's a, there's a sort of a structural problem happening. So you have a hoaxer, you have this kid who's doing this thing. We never really find out why. Like, like what's his, what's his motivation to do that? Um, because thought- he wants, because he wants his mom to, have hope. Well, that's really twisted, right? That he's going to hang his mom out to dry in this in so with the hope of yeah. making her not feel this despair. Well, that's a really twisted and, and messed up thing. So I if, mean, it's if, that is the explanation. Yeah, like the Wikipedia right. says Matthew actually. Uh, yeah, it is revealed that Matthew actually set up the sightings of the dead sister to give the family reason to exhume her body and give his mother closure. Sure. But, like, he needs to actually be punished for that supernaturally. Mm. Like, the fates need to say, that's not cool, dude. You you can't do that. Mm -hmm. So what should theoretically, structurally happen is the actual hauntings should turn on him. Like, he he should start to pay a consequence for this thing, this thing that's, like, really not the way you... Like, it's, it can be good-intentioned, but it's the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a consequence to that, and there isn't in this, right? Like, we get diverted over to this other couple. Uh, again, no consequence for that couple either. So, like, that to me is the problem. Like, there's no... Once we learn these things, those people become the ones who need to be taught a lesson, and they're not like nothing happens to them. Nothing of consequence is even like remote. Like oh, they they had to move. What okay, mm-hmm. whatever. Like it's too 
open-ended, loose threads of that don't go anywhere. They just kind of fall away. And like the the feel of the filmmaking and eeriness and music is all there and consistent and well done enough that I think if it works for someone, you just kind of get caught up in the mood mm-hmm. and maybe it's still working. But for me, it just felt like I was, it was just added to the slog of like, this is just all. I, yeah. I think they were trying to do something a little more subtle, which is to tie together this, like the ethereal plane and like, time is a loop and like or a flat circle or whatever it is. And, and like, we're all connected, but you know, like the, the residue of trauma is sort of everywhere. And it's, it's all very conceptually sort of subtle. And I think I appreciate that, but I think without uh, something else, some sort of, I don't know, some sort of catharsis, I guess. May and and like I think they're trying to show us catharsis through the mom and and make maybe make it feel tragic, but it doesn't, it just doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't arrive at anything. It fine it feels to me like they go, okay, well, you know, I guess we feel better about this, and so we sold the house and goodbye. What do you think it would do to make that again why yeah yeah like well like i was saying that should have been presented up front as a documentary as as documentary would of that he was hoaxing the footage and the pictures what if that was more like inciting incident you know or just sort of towards Mm -hmm. the beginning as Mm -hmm. almost set up what do you think that would do to it Hmm. i think uh, yeah i think that that could work because then what the movie ends up being about is not the mystery necessarily and i mean like fundamentally what the movie would become about is the the turmoil and the family the deeper family drama through this trauma that it would cause and so we like the family never is at odds i mean almost nobody is at odds with each other in this film Right. The closest we come to that is the the psychic medium guy that the dad, bet, he just mentions he trained them by right. not saying that he had interviewed their daughter beforehand. I mean, they, yeah, they and they're like on using him. He betrayed us and we, we, we told them not to hang out. Mm-hmm. OK. And again, no real conflict from but the brother you, faking anything. Right. But if if the movie turned into how is this destroying our family, and we actually get to see the, the mom and the dad, like their marriage fall apart and their relationship with their son fall apart and their relationship with the town fall apart and have them become pariahs because you know, the mom is, is like holding, you know, carrying the torch for her, her dead daughter. And it's like, the town's like, dude, time to move on. Like she's dead. We exhumed her body. Like, why are you hanging out? Like we seeing the spiral of this would become the movie. And then it'd be a movie about grief. Is that all to say maybe that what we're getting in at here is it just felt like there's zero stakes at all? Yeah. I'm trying to think like when, if this is in the style of, let's say, like almost a true crime investigatory thing, mm-hmm. how come those work when something following the same format, yet of course is fake, did not? 
And I feel like hmm. maybe it's like that initial, like with the true crime thing, it's about serial killer or whatever. There's just always that, that question of, but why, you know, what it is about them. Like we naturally right. kind of obsess over that. What so made you, this person do what they did? Right. So yeah. you think that, hey, is this a real ghost or not would be a compelling enough something to get us on board, but it really was not. <laughs> That's right. There's a key element that I kept waiting for the answer to that we never get. How did she drown? Right? Mm -hmm. All we get is that she was there one minute and then the next she wasn't. We don't know anything about the circumstances of her actual death. I think that's a really big hole to have that makes us kind of feel disconnected from it all. We don't get to see her in that moment. And we don't even really get to speculate about that moment. It's kind of a throwaway. Mm -hmm. So if the whole movie is, is sort of predicated on her experience seeing herself dead and knowing that she's going to meet that fate, to not know the circumstances of that actual fate mm. seems kind of careless in a way. It just doesn't make us feel invested. Instead, we just kind of get, oh, there is other footage of her brother there at one point and her ghost there at some point. And yeah. It's kind of like, okay. And I, I hate to say it because I, you know, it. I don't know why they chose to do it this way, but like the, the convoluted nature of the title being Lake Mungo and her drowning, but not in the place that is Lake Mungo, and Lake Mungo is not an actual lake. Like, that <laughs> that's clumsy. I mean, it feels true to the film when you put it that way. <laughs> okay. But nobody even says anything. Like, yeah. you know, like some sort of, like, it's documentary. You can have people reflect on irony. Mm -hmm. You're, you can have them say anything, really, because it's, it's, it's an interview. Have the director be like, do you think it's weird that she went to, that she drowned in a reservoir and that everything's coalescing at this dry lake bed? I think that there is symbolism in that or attempted symbolism in that, mm -hmm. but it's, it doesn't feel again like it coalesces into something deeper and meaningful. I mean, maybe it was. Uh, you know, p like plotted out on the big board, it kind of seemed cool on paper right. or whatever that was, the Lake Mungo dry bed where she finds the this and yeah. then the drownings in the reservoir. I don't know. Maybe it was cool just as a story laid out, but it's not yeah, thread but like, together I, that way. I would love to know, maybe it's a local like thing that, that there's deeper significance in in Australian history or, or lore or culture that makes that, feel more like something mm -hmm. um i i i mean it's i don't even know what to speculate about that but maybe there is something that has to do with like um the the who lived on that land ancestrally and how that reflects to this like very colonized white although the dad actually struck me as as less like what white colonizer than the mom like he i don't i mean I, what do i know about indigenous heritage in in australia but 
maybe there's some suggestion of that stuff that we just don't know because we don't know the the history of it. Well, anything else related or unrelated to all that that did not work? I guess not. I, I just... Mm, I just feel kind of like, meh. <laughs> well, we it just, bumps me out. I think, did an adequate job of getting at why that could be. <laughs> yeah. All right. Then with that, we got our last section here. Things of note. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. So as per my recommendation last episode, I think, or maybe it was two episodes ago of the 101, you know, greatest scariest moments scariest moments thank you it's a bit of a a long title to remember this was one of them the moment of seeing herself um her dead self and it's largely what inspired mike flanagan i mean he's interviewed in that show talking about it saying that he directly pulled that notion of like seeing your dead self and having your dead self come back in a loop around your living self for the haunting of Hill House. I mean, that's the one I was going to mention at the beginning, but didn't want to spoil it. Right. And so... So sorry, anyone who was (laughs) wanting to watch that. We speak openly. (laughs) We we hope uh, we speak openly with quote unquote spoilers for the episode at hand, but I do try to be sensitive towards other films that are not titled. I I don't. It was out four years ago or whatever. That means Get no, with it. I hate it when people say that. That <laughs> means so. So it means you should have watched it by now. No, but like that you live in a world where you have to navigate the fact that people are going to talk about it. Okay. So, you know, buyer beware. That, um, see, it's so easy to say that. That's all. Yeah. I think so. That's true. Um, but I'm not going to apologize. So, And I'm not going to edit this differently <laughs> to avoid it. So <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, so I I just think that like it's interesting that the influence of this movie is not, you know, nothing. It's like it's it's obviously there. There are people who are like very influenced by it or at least very like affected by it. I just don't find it to be that compelling for whatever reason, but it's cool that well, don't Any say for them. whatever reason. We just tried to talk all about it. Right. Like, but, well, I just mean that it's cool that it's having an impact. That's great. That, yeah. That, I mean, it sort of proves the point of how, who gives a shit what anybody's opinion actually is. If it affects you, awesome. Um, but, yeah, they talk about it. You know, it's like one of the, I don't remember what number it is, but it's in there. And it's number one. It's It's not number one. <laughs> Number one for everyone but Tim and Ryan. Uh, I just had, there was no written dialogue in the script, only the outline of the story. So the actors were tasked with improvising their scenes. I think it's something fun approach that you want to do when making a, well, not mockumentary, a mockumentary style. Found footage is what it's called in horror. And then uh, to I keep- think you could call it a fuckumentary, like faux documentary. Faux-umentary? Fuckumentary. Are we allowed to say fuck? We can say whatever we want. Yeah, but that was... Try not th- to. Th- I just don't think that... You don't think that's going to catch it's, on? It's pronounced faux. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, what if it was with an Australian accent? 
Fout documentary. Speaking of which, last thing I have for things of note, just more fun Australia words. There, uh, there was a screening of this film in Australia when it first came out at the Traveling Film Festival in where else but Wagga Wagga, Australia. Hey, what a place to, to live, Wagga Wagga. I love it. All right, Tim, if that's it for Lake Mungo and things of note, then yeah. we can wind down with some recommendations. What do you got? Well, I would like to recommend Dead Barbarian because I just watched it and I thought it was great and very strange in a great way. Because well, it creepy. I saw it too in theaters when I was in Kirksville, Missouri. Did you? Uh, is not one that we have dismembered. We could say a little something on it. I Justin Long cracked me up. I love Justin Long. He was so funny as that kind of character. My favorite part, Tim, was the, I don't know, the barbarian. Is that what we call her? Sure. Holding out the bottle, oh, trying yeah. to feed him, going, buh, 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 yep. buh. That was like, that was so good. I loved it. Yep. But last third half, just once we kind of got out of the house, I don't know. Some of the commentary felt pretty forced. I don't know. Ending was just kind of. I like the flashback stuff. Was fun. I like the setup with the dad or oh, the father. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Wait. Dad. Father. Same thing. What am I saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Sadly. Um, but yeah. I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't enough for me to go as far as recommending. It didn't. Really, that's interesting. The third act kind of fell apart for you. Is that what you're... Just kind of didn't live up to the sort of momentum of the... Hmm. And the intensity of the... I don't know. Uh, that's cool. I mean, I... Yeah, I kind of... Hmm, I wonder. I wonder why I was able to just kind of ride the wave. I, I was into it. Cool. Hmm. But yeah, I thought it was really fun. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've heard mixed things a lot about it so interesting i wonder if a lot of people had because it got hyped pretty hard yeah and i wonder how much that influenced people thinking that it was gonna do something else or whatever which obviously we know happens Mm -hmm. happens to me often i forget i watched something recently where i was really mad at myself for having gone in with this particular set of experts. Oh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm. I didn't love. And I was kind of bummed because I think had I not heard anything from anybody, I could have just like let the movie wash over me. But I was like waiting for this this thing to happen, this like impactful moment where I was like, overcome with emotion and it didn't and i was like oh damn it i, I was hate the, that i know about right. you know like what other people experienced that i was the same way with that movie and i am getting sick <laughs> you're gonna you're, you're good at letting me know i shouldn't have to keep apologizing for everything <laughs> i think and feel but the, the i think yeah how i kind of summed up why that didn't click with me i thought it was great don't get me wrong i, I did thought too. it was amazing but like why i didn't have that kind of yep amazing catharsis or like a moment with it is it feels like, and this yeah, it feels like I'm being mean to everyone who it did do that for, but it's kind of like spirituality for normies, like all these ideas of multiverses and psychedelics mm. and interdimensionality. It felt like a very just sort of safe packaged way to kind of catch everyone up to, 
these ideas okay. that are very much have been in conversation yeah. uh, for a while. But uh, it was kind of just like a, a nice delivery for millennial normies. Right. <laughs> Which sounds insulting, but I mean, eh. I don't know how else to... No. You know what I mean? I don't think it's insulting. I mean, it's like... That, I mean, there's a better phrase than probably, normie. <laughs> probably. Who knows? But yeah, it's like, I don't get mad at people for being hyped about the Marvel movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... I I know a lot more than the average person because I spent the last 38 years reading fucking Marvel comic books like so but yeah like I wasn't overwhelmed and I was sad well that I wasn't overwhelmed to uh to show how cool and atypical I am I'm going <laughs> to recommend dead Reflections of Evil by Damon Packard from 2002. Hmm. Something okay. I think more people should see. That's why I'm recommending it, of course. It's a... Someone who's... Yeah, Damon Packard's this pretty prolific filmmaker, but all on kind of just... That's his biggest film, Reflections of Evil, but just still, I guess, unacknowledged or just underground enough. But watching this film, Tim... It was, it felt like a new kind of filmmaking that I just hadn't quite seen before. And it's just so exciting and refreshing when that happens still, you okay. know? It's it's weird. I could see people getting offended with certain aspects of it, but it captures like grungy LA in the mm. sort of like, what feels like progenitor to, I don't know, maybe like a Tim and Eric type thing or, or uh, Eric Andre, that kind of like, heightened sound effects uh you know okay. just just playing everything up things getting in this like repetitive to a point where you just sort of are in this weird nightmare zone but it's all just so homemade at the same time i just thought it was like so inspiring that you could do so much with so little it was one yeah, of those films that's cool. and it ends with this uh shot in secret scene in um universal studios so it's always <laughs> fun to see when i know you recommended uh the the tomorrow yeah. land one the disneyland yep. one so escape from tomorrow yeah so might appreciate that aspect too it's long even the filmmaker david he admits like oh it's way too long but i think that's part of the why that while lake mungo was a bad slog this was a you're just thrown to another weird dimension slog that i don't think hurt it even if it was challenging at times in that sense i still fully recommend it five out of five reflections of evil cool yeah, usually I don't want to say that much on a recommendation. I mean, yeah, and I have some fun ones queued up here too. I'm set for a bit. All right. Well, that is it. You can find us wherever you found us. Our big ask is if you enjoyed being here, tell a friend. Not all much, but a lot more coming up. New year here soon. We'll fill you in on all our 2023 20, plans soon, but we got a few more until then for you. So in closing, whether it's a dam or a lake or a reservoir thanks for listening and <laughs> we'll see you next time goodbye <laughs> 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 <laughs>